Welcome to the Phil and the Kid podcast. I'm Phil Gardner. And I'm Spiro Vesalis. And today we're joined by our colleague, friend, investor, joint venture partner, and all-around great dude, Billy Sue. Let's, uh, let's begin. Let's dive deep. Shit. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the Phil and the Kid podcast, Mr. Thank Billy Sue. Thank you for having me. I'm very honored here. Well, that's good. Yeah. I'm glad I'm glad you're honored. <laughs> this is uh this is your big break. Yeah, I know, my YouTube <laughs> debut. Yeah, yeah, Billy's Billy's YouTube debut. That's right. How come you guys don't have a, a makeup trailer? I think we need to start our uh, start a Patreon now so that we can yeah. have we can afford to get, get Billy's our hair done. Yeah. <laughs> so that Billy can afford to get his hair done. That's exactly it. All right. So why don't we give a nice introduction to uh, our second guest and our uh, two month anniversary podcast Woo. guest. We've been doing this for two podcasts. Two, two whole months. Two months. Eight <laughs> whole episodes. Wow. Congrats, Billy. You are our eighth episode, two-month anniversary guest. (laughs) There we go. So. Yeah. Let's talk about Billy. Let's talk about Billy. So, I mean, we have, obviously, we have somebody on, uh, a guest here, talking a little bit about their story, right? Where Billy is, if you, some of you, most of you probably don't know, Billy is another agent from our brokerage on our investment team, uh, and also an avid investor himself. So we thought, hey, let's have... Let's have Billy on, talk about his story, talk about where he came from, what he's doing now, all that type of fun stuff. But I think uh, before we jump right into that, since he is an agent with our brokerage, just like we usually go over our weekly updates, why don't we dive in on uh, everyone's everyone's weekly fun deal updates? We'll let Spiro get started. My fun deal updates. Or wow. fun fun weekly updates. So last week, there's actually a few good deals that I found on the market. I uh, sent it out to clients. Um, one of them didn't really go through, but there's interest on the third one I sent out. Nice. Um, this one is, it, it's, let's cross our fingers, but it looks pretty good. It's coming. Uh, we're going to go see it tomorrow. Uh, pretty good opportunity in Corso Italia. Um, already split up into three units. It's good. Um, right? it, it, looks, it looks pretty nice. It's good potential. So, uh, hopefully that goes well. Uh, it looks like there's good bones to it. Uh, everything inside inside's already pretty nice. Mm. Um, can get vacant possession, which is always a bonus. Uh, well, most for of the time, a, for most three of the units. Time. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Nice yeah, yeah. It's great. Uh, it's just the property is listed. Uh, it, it's it's overpriced right now. Right. So that's scaring a lot of people off, that's and good. especially when they see the tenant that's in there right now with low mm. rent. Um, it's definitely scaring some people off. And that's actually what happened in the first deal I sent out. Right. Uh, it was the same sort of thing where there's tenants on the top floor in the basement, all p- paying very low rents. Mm-hmm. And uh, the average investor is going to see that and see it as a red flag and not offer you know, a good price. Yeah, it's a little, t- a little tougher to make it work, right? If the if you know you can't get it vacant and those guys are going to stick around forever at that yeah. that low rent makes it a little bit tougher. Exactly. But both uh, both both of the listing agents did tell me that they can give uh, vacant possession two to three months, which is great. I mean, again, the common investor will probably see something like that, back away from a deal like that, mm-hmm. where uh, our team will, will kind of know how to handle each situation. Yeah. Dig a little I, deeper, get that. Yeah, either the price is going to go down or... Uh, you're going to get it vacant possession or the rents are actually good and you can keep the tenant in for a year or however 
long. Mm-hmm. That's more rare, but yep. uh, you can find that. So that yep. happened. Uh, that was a, it was a pretty pretty good week. Um, what else happened? Other than that, I think uh, it's the elections. Elections coming up. It is election time. So well, I it's guess election day. So you should have already voted by the time you hear this. Yeah, by the time by the time you hear this, uh, the new prime minister will will have been elected. So we'll see how that goes. Um, and then also kind of changed up my diet. I think filthy Phil, keto, <laughs> keto Guido <laughs> Phil. Rubbed off on you, eh? Uh, yeah. I'm glad, glad I could do you some good. Yeah, he kind of yeah. rubbed off on me a little bit. Um, <laughs> that's kind of a weird way to put it, but he, uh, he's been doing keto now for how long? Uh, I think we're going on week four. Week four. So, yeah. oh, that's, that's pretty big. I know. Nice. So far, so good. I'm not going too crazy as we sit here and crush beers with super low carbs. Yeah, hopefully. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no more lying coffee this episode. No. Unfortunately. Michelob Ultra. No. <laughs> it's, it's more fun. It yeah. is. So, yeah, as, as you guys could see, if you're watching, if you're just listening, we are drinking Michelob Ultras. Uh, this is due to the request of our guest, Billy. The official <laughs> beer of the guys. Keto I'm Guido. i to get you guys a sponsor here. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Go ahead. Yeah, this Thanks is our first some. episode while we're uh, actually drinking. We thought we would actually be doing this a little more, but... We're getting into know. our groove. We're getting yeah, we're getting, we're getting comfortable right now, so... It's later in the afternoon. It's the appropriate acceptable time <laughs> yeah barely <laughs> oh, <laughs> how about you phil 11 30 but no, my it's my, not, it's not 11 30 <laughs> definitely well beyond 11 30 at this point Billy's <laughs> gonna get everyone thinking we're a bunch of drunks which maybe isn't terribly far from the truth but <laughs> it definitely falls <laughs> how about you phil how was your uh my your week? my week a day in the life or a week in the life uh we had our whitby listing go live last week which was pretty sweet Nobody expected, I mean, I didn't expect it was going to be that crazy out in, uh, out in the Whitby market, but it was priced around 550 nice entry-level entry level home. We, uh, we spent a few grand to, to spruce it up before we hit the market. So it was absolutely insane. We had three offers on day one, but we weren't even prepared for it because our client was like flying back from Europe at the time. We didn't expect something to happen so soon. Yeah, it was really quick. Very quick. So we pushed out a couple of days and did an offer date, uh, I think it was Thursday of last week. So we had four offers. We ended up getting uh, full ask, short conditions. So we're, we're conditional now, but that's uh, that's going pretty, I mean, as good as we could have expected. That's for sure. Um, had another offer. So the same night that we had an offer date for our listing, there was, uh, there was an offer date for another property that a client was interested in. So I'm kind of struggling in the office there, taking offers, looking at offers and making offers and dealing with that at the same time that night. So that was fun. We, we got pretty close. Conditions, I think, in terms of conditions and closing, we were in, in the lead. Uh, but unfortunately, their max budget just kind of capped out before somebody else's. So we did not get the purchase deal on the same night. That would have been sweet. Would have been a nice day's work. Yeah, no kidding. Um, but that's okay. I mean, it gets them going. We, it was pretty positive given that we knew we were stronger in terms of all the rest of the conditions. Uh, so I think it'll only be a matter of time with those buyers. So that's great. Uh, and then today is closing day for Phil's next property. Nice. So Congratulations. The 671 that Spiro seems to love talking about is, uh, is closing <laughs> today. We'll start uh, start going through and renoing this week, and we'll start doing a, a video tour, I'm sure, that we'll have up on YouTube. So how much have weeks. you budgeted for that property in renovation costs um, so far? Reno and holding costs, plus a little bit of extra cushion to put into the bank account. Uh, we're looking at about 80 grand. So that's, I mean, that's 55 for the renovation or so, uh, another, you know, 10, 15 holding costs, and then a, a little bit more for a cushion to leave in the bank account just in case anything happens, right? 
always like to, to keep a little bit extra aside just to make sure the property floats. Yeah, and you don't have to yeah. go back, especially because this is a JV. So I don't have to go back and ask people for more money if something goes wrong. I'd rather it just be sitting there in the bank account. It's way better just to have it than chase people for pennies and dimes. And yeah. It's yeah, more exactly. so thousands of dollars. Which Billy knows how I run it. Yeah, I've never come yeah. back to him asking for money. We just cut checks out of our GV properties. <laughs> yeah, then once you uh, sort of, I guess, uh, stabilize and start pulling money out, that's all it is. Yeah, exactly. And then we also met up on the weekend. Oh, yeah, We're here yeah. working on Sundays. Oh, baby. Yeah. yeah. Grinding. I know. <laughs> that's for the... Uh, RP. RP, yeah, the Real Property Investments uh, Weekender there. We're having November 3rd, so Phil and the Kid and the My Capital Corner Squad, the Toronto Investment Squad, if you will, have a have a booth, and I'll be speaking on the panel there. So if you haven't looked it up already, I think it was in the show notes of a couple episodes back, but maybe we'll stick it in the show notes of this one. Yep. Uh, Real Property Investments, it's in Thornhill Bayview Golf and Country Club on November 3rd. You can come out learn a lot of stuff about a lot of different investment markets. Excited now. to see all, you all there. Better yeah, come. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> now on to the B-Dog. The B-Dog. The B-Dog. Okay. What's your week been up, been up uh, to? Last week was uh, had an offer. Uh, one multiple offer with a couple clients. Not investors, but they were end-use homes. Uh, nice. An end-use home uh, in Little Italy. Uh, Good spot. Yeah. Uh, four offers. Uh, first round, everyone was more or less in the same price range. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, we sort of took it to the spot where, like, we, we sort of predicted where everyone wants to be. We just came out ahead, a little, little ahead of that. Yep. And then we put, if you want to beat us, you got to be put in the spot where most people don't want to be. Right. Yeah. So that's where we, we advise our clients where to put to, to go on, on that one. Um, and then um, it was still kind of close. Um, then we just asked, they asked to shorten the closing date. Right. Uh, which, which we did, and that was pretty much for them. Perfect. The, uh, <clears throat> I guess, the thing that sealed the deal that night. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was that part. Then uh, again, it's an end user home, so we're not really looking at the numbers and investments and stuff like that. But they do have a little bit of work. We're gonna help them. Uh, we're gonna walk them through with nice. Um, some sort of uh, they got, I think they want to change a bit of the floor around the main floor. Uh, maybe uh, knock out a wall in the kitchen, just open things up a little bit. Clean her up. Yeah. yeah. I, I know they're uh, an inspection report. The basement had some. Uh, well, the inspection said there were some footings. That were not stable, right? So we're um, so we're gonna have go in there with uh, maybe an underpinner, um, take a look at sort of what the options are. the The biggest project would be to uh, underpin the whole thing, put in a basement apartment, yep. and rent it out. Uh, the smallest project would be just to re- reinforce just the, repair re- the footings, yeah, the footings yeah with some rebar. You're talking about yeah. a difference of like 10k to 50k kind of thing, I imagine. Well, with the whole apartment in, we we probably gonna be around 100k right. actually. Yeah. Um, but if we were just to redo the whole basement with with repair the whole basement's footings, probably 15 to 20. Right. But we're able to isolate isolate which footings need repair. Oh, okay. It might, it might be less than that. Gotcha. So, yeah. So that was the main thing I guess for last week. Nice. Uh, oh, I had also a little uh, lease deal that Sweet. I did for a client. Billy likes those lease deals. I do. Um, <laughs> this is funny, easy. though. So this, this lease deal, uh, I had this deal locked up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then my client didn't show up that following morning with oh, so. the check. check. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> but regardless, uh, then because he, he found other accommodations. Two, oh, okay. Two weeks after, he called me back. He's like, I need that deal back again. Oh, and I called the agent back. And luckily, this guy—he's a great tenant profile, right? right? Um, uh, deep six-figure income, okay. good credit, um, good referral, stuff like that. And you were able to put it back together. Yeah. Holy shit. Well, 
luckily it was on the market it, and right. all, all the all the all the stuff checked through and then yeah it was good to go from there not bad that was a good week for you then yeah no kidding it's I good that you were able to put that back plan. together i didn't have that much i yeah. just sent them and it's like oh she was kind of happy that that's that's yeah, right. i guess she right. was having a tough time yeah, or something they, because the landlord pre-approved it right they liked that tenant oh right so they were already they're good they're to go just oh, man. i, I would have been so salty if i was <laughs> if i was the landlord i would have been like nah, no you wouldn't you would have accepted the money you had been like all right it depends where you're at if I'm like, if it's the, if it's still popular, if it's not popular, okay, fine. I'm just get get this guy in there. Yeah, just get the process going yeah. at that point. <laughs> I, I think we're gonna. Have yeah, we're gonna open the doors. It's getting a little yeah, hot little now. little warm in the booth. Show our t-shirt today. We actually thought on Monday. Like this is like. You can't day. say it's Monday as we're sitting here just crushing beers on podcasts. At 11.37. No, <laughs> oh my God, it's not 11. <laughs> it's the afternoon. Look, if anybody could see. Deep afternoon. This, this, guy, this guy wakes up late all the time. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I rolled out of bed into a Michelob Ultra. <laughs> okay, as we're speaking about our oh, that's drinking habits. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's, so, so we have a nice AC unit just outside the podcast studio, and you got that nice days. gust. Yeah, there we go. All right. Might make it a little hummier in here, but. So what brought you into real estate? What was, what was the first thing that, that made you go, hmm, maybe this is a, a career path that I could take? So uh, give you a little bit of history on how things worked in Toronto uh, with sort of Asian immigrants that came in, I guess, around the, like, the early 80s. Oh, we're getting deep history yeah, lesson so, here. All right. So like a lot, of, a lot of the Asian immigrants that came from like, uh, like China, Hong Kong, during that time, they came, they came to Toronto. And most of them, they were able to buy a house relatively quickly. Financing was easier back then. Right. Uh, everything was easier. They just had to, to buy it. And what mo- most people did, the Chinese families back then, they were able to rent it out their basement. Mm-hmm. They rent out their basement and their top floor. Yep. And they lived on one floor. And that's why you see in downtown Toronto, you get like all these illegal three units, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's from back in the day. And the Portuguese did this too. Yeah. In this little, they little. were all way ahead of us. Yeah. I mean, that's what we're doing now, but it was yeah. way yeah. ahead of schedule. So, and, and all the, all, what we see now is the great rental areas, like the little, like the Chinatowns, little Italy's, little Portugal's, all these, a lot of these places have these illegal three units. So that's that back in the day. That's what they did. Yeah. So that's basically how it really, really started. Like, mm-hmm. I know my parents, when they first came here, the first house they bought was like if you look at the numbers now it's actually a steal of the day. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> it's, it's a little row house that we were able to live on the first floor of it. Yeah. It's kinda crammed, right? But you know, the top floor had a kitchen and the basement had two basement apartments. Right. So it was basically at that point. Two basement apartments. Yeah. <laughs> oh baby. You know, I'm back yeah. So um I don't know how much the cost them carrying a mortgage, but with those kind of numbers Oh yeah, it made things. Yeah, a lot your family easier. was house, house hacking from day one. That's why yeah. Billy's got the house hacking ingrained in him. <laughs> so that was uh, basically how it, like, not how I start, but how it kind of started. Mm-hmm. And I know uh, in my I guess it's, I started in my early twenties. Um, I was just really at home. I was talking right. to my dad. My dad was looking like because uh, there's like some old lady selling her house. Okay. And my dad was like, should I buy this? And I. Basically, it came down to like, how much money do you think we get in rent? How much money do you think it would cost to to, uh, to carry it? Right. It was very simple. Like, so we're not doing rocket science here. Like, no. Like, this number is greater or less than this number. Yeah. I think we can do Fu- it. Fundamentally, like, real estate is very easy math, right? What it was. Like, that's, so, I'm going to get you. Yeah. When you speak, just speak a little bit closer to the oh, mic. Sure. Just for the, okay. the viewers, it'll be easy to see but just for the listeners it might be a little bit harder to hear so so you started at a 
pretty young age then, I would say. You, you kind of had an idea from your family yeah. and, and what you guys were used to. I mean, your parents, as we said, were house hacking at a very young age. Yeah. Um, so they already had that idea and you kind of grew up with that mindset. So what was the next step? What, what so so going back to that deal with the old lady. So that was, my dad asked me because I had landed on a bit of money, right? So he asked me if I want to take this money by this house. Right. So go half of my brother. So that's what he did. Because uh, for me, it made sense. And mm-hmm. uh, at the time, like, I wasn't thinking, like, like uh, sort of, like, get rich fast kind of thing. Right. My, in the worst case scenario, in my mind, it was, like, over the course of the mortgage, it's going to pay itself off with a little bit of extra. So mm-hmm. in 30 years, I'll have at least half of a something. Yeah. Right? That's what, that's what I started with. But luckily for me and luckily for any homeowner in Toronto for the past, I wouldn't say easily in that past 20 years, it's mm-hmm. been pretty rosy, right? Oh, yeah. So, you know, in about, I think it was, I think it was four years. Was it, about, it was about four years around that mark okay. that our, our mortgage, our mortgage was, com- was coming up. So instead, I took my half out, and then I used my half, and then I, I bought into my own place. Nice. It's yeah. a solo deal. A solo deal, yeah. Cool. And again, back in the day, financing was a lot easier than now. It was, right, right, of course. So it was, I was able to get a mortgage, mm-hmm. luckily for me. So, um, And then same thing, sa- same formula. Did the numbers work? Yep. Do, do I get more rent than... Then I carry again. I wasn't uh, like a, like a really at that point. I was actually still in university. No, no, at that point I was just just graduated from university. Oof. And like, and I wasn't like super sophisticated into it, but I under- understood that as long as it carries. Now at this point, in thirty years, instead of me owning half of a something, the you own a case, whole something. In, in, in the worst case scenario, thirty years, I own a, a whole of something. Yeah. So and then um, I guess from there we'll, we'll talk about other. Well, I guess it's, six, it's been six years now. Okay. Uh, then I refinanced. So this time. this <coughs> first property that you bought solo was about six years ago then? 2012. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Six, seven years ago. Yeah, six, seven years ago. Cool. Okay. Well, yeah, well, when refinanced, it would have been six years ago. Gotcha. Yeah, when refinanced. It was when it was refinanced? Yeah, it was six years. Yeah. I refinanced it last year. Oh, okay. Cool. Uh, then I was able to, to to take out more equity out of it. Mm-hmm. And then with that, obviously, that equity, I, I went and purchased another solo. And deal. at the time, did that, when you refinanced, did it still cover itself? It did. Sweet. So um, I, I, I come from, uh, well, as I became an investor, I, I went in. I was also a stock investor as well. Gotcha. So a little I, I took, deeper I, history I, on yeah, Billy. So I, took, um, I took the fundamentals of that, of value investing, mm-hmm. make, um, and made sure that the stuff I buy had strong cash flows. Cool. For me, uh, appreciation is great. Mm-hmm. It's a bit speculative. Like we're talking about natural, natural appreciation. Yeah, and yeah. Not, it's not the spread. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's yeah. the that's the gravy. Yeah. more than anything, uh, if it happens. So I look for strong cash flows. Uh, what was I gonna say? So yeah, well, basically, at at the end of it, mm-hmm. uh, it's still it's still cash flow positive. Good. That's yeah. see that that's important, right? That's yeah. that's very important to make sure you are still in the green in the black, if you will, after after refinancing. Yeah. And so a lot of people believe, money. a lot of people believe uh, cash is king in this kind of game. Yeah. So same thing with Blackborn. Yeah, Blackthorn. We can just keep. Continuing. Blackthorn is our uh, no, one of our joint venture properties. Yeah. So we can continue sort of uh, milking it, as we say. Absolutely, because the cash flow is ca- so high yeah. so we just, that we can yeah. continue to refinance in large chunks as long as the banks. Uh, well, as much as the banks are willing. Correct. To exactly. Right, so. As long as the cash flow still remains positive after all is said and done, because yeah. that will allow you to then go and purchase another property. I imagine yes. is what you did with those those funds. Yes, I did. So. And I believe what's different between the way we invest in house is that. Like you said, we're not speculation investors, so we're not trying to hit the home run of being like we're going to grab this property for, you know, 
eight hundred thousand, yeah, and in three years it's going to be worth one point five. Yeah, because no, yeah. no, nobody can, can predict, predict the market. The future. No, exactly. and I think that's what pushes a lot of people away from real estate is that they think that's the way to make money is the speculation side. So they all yeah. think, oh, real estate's all just speculation. Uh, you're you have to predict the market if you're going to make any money yeah. in it, which is actually false. That's yeah. not that's not correct. Actually, what we are, I think, is we're actually defensive investors. Very defensive. Yeah. So Absolutely. in the case that, so as long as our cash flows are positive, yep, and we look for strong cash flows, if the market goes goes down, we ignore the market. Yeah, we could, we're we covered. Could, you don't refinance. You don't sell. You just hold. You wait. We continue collecting our rent. Yep. And then you know, the markets can't keep coming down now forever because as the markets come down, people like us will be like, oh, it's even better now. It's even cheaper yeah, now. Exactly. That's when you buy more. <laughs> it's even cheaper now, right? So. So yeah. yeah, we're not speculators in that sense. We're defensive investors. Um, we make sure the cash flows are positive. So if the market comes down, we ignore it. We yep. continue collecting our rents. If the market goes up, then it's just rosy from there, right? Yeah, and so, away you go. And I think I think uh, North America, especially Canada, is turning into more of a uh, European style home ownership. Where uh, North America used to be, the dream was buy your own property, have your own things, the white like, picket own fence. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, everything you do own. Uh, that's like the way it was traditionally looked at. In the past, however, however many years, it's sort of changed to more of a landlord style uh, um, yeah, it's a, real it's estate a system. A bit of a renter nation. It is at least in the larger metro hubs now. I would say more millennials are uh, probably more keen to being uh, renters than to owning a property with all the yeah. headaches, the older buildings. It's flexibility of lifestyle too. Right? It is. You, you think can move. In our giant tech generation, where oh, people yeah. are changing jobs every two years at most. To have the flexibility and not be tied down to a 30-year mortgage for some people is a benefit, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah, so you, you see a lot of people moving more and renting more, and I think that's okay. A lot of people, yeah. uh, I wouldn't say a lot, but there are people that are against that fact, saying, well, you should be able to own your own mm-hmm. place. It's, it's a different of opinion. Like, you look, in, you look at Europe, it's all landlords. Yeah. There's, there's barely many places that people just own. And that's just due to the long history of it and how it's changed over the years. So I think we're in that revolution right now. So, so I agree with you to some degree, um, but I'm going to go back to some, like I know in, in Chinese culture, uh, owning property as opposed to renting mm-hmm. is, is a very big thing. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure when you guys do your own leases for your own places, for your, for your, for your clients as well, you would see in, in Toronto uh, as many, as, as much as there are Chinese people, that should make a very small fraction of the, of the renter's pool. Yeah. Like in in, in China, it's in Chinese. It's not just Chinese culture. I would say a lot of Asian culture and in I guess immigrant European cultures. As yeah, well. mm-hmm. it's the to, same. They, they tend to live with their families. Yeah, multiple generations yeah, until they can mm-hmm. afford their own place. Whereas yeah. the North American culture is like you know eighteen, nineteen. You can get out as soon as I can, yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You do see the difference, even in my family, which is traditionally Greek. They've all said stay at home until you're in your thirties and then yeah. move out. Until you have enough money to buy your own place comfortably, mm-hmm. you don't have to be burdened by a mortgage. So there's a lot of that that still goes on, and 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 that's I think the difference of opinion of the North American style to the immigrant style, where immigrants want to own their own piece. They come here for the Canadian dream or yep. American dream, and that's how they uh, go about life. So I, I, I'm an advocate of owning as mm-hmm. opposed to renting because I just think if you're ever renting, you're basically paying else. paying someone else, yes. paying someone else's mortgage, whereas yep. if you're owning. Well, you're paying your own mortgage, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, especially yeah. if you're house hacking, right? Yeah. Someone else is paying your mortgage and you're living there. No way <laughs> you go. That's true. That's a good, that's a good uh, transition, actually. So house hacking is something that you're very good at. 
I, I guess so, but we're all kind of good at that too. We're going to all do it. That's yeah, but you seem to actually hit, you know, really good deals a lot of the time. Uh, not that we all don't, but I mean, talk about your current deal a little bit. Uh, Maybe the high level overview of how yeah. that whole process went. I mean, Billy's, uh, Billy's recent deal, and we know we're currently in the process of releasing episodes on the whole Burr method. So buy, renovate, uh, rent refinance and repeat billy is just on the tail end of a nice little home run burr with uh with a house hack component to it as well which is you know a, w- a win of a deal but feel free to so i'm on, on i guess with the, the burr method i'm on the refinance part of the tail end mm-hmm. i just signed off with some uh uh with a uh with a mortgage agent um and so I'm, i got i think got the uh commitment letters and uh the instructions for the lawyers to do with, with the new mortgage. So I'm just uh, finishing off on that part. Um, high level on the deal. Um, how can I describe this? So your first, the first step, I remember you were telling me something about when you were going to buy it, you, you offered a price that was just... So, so here, yeah, so this house was sitting on the market for a little while. I took a look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked it a lot. It originally, it was supposed to be a rental. Pure rental. pure rental. You were planning on living in it. Originally, okay. this was really supposed to be a pure rental. Um, so I, 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 next day, I threw in an offer. Um, Can't. It got accepted. Well, <laughs> Just a dirty low ball that you weren't really planning on getting accepted. So, it, kind of. All right, well. Uh, it is what it is. Can't like complain. Think, yeah, well. You have to edit that part out. Someone would be watching it that age might be behind a piss. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Whoever, whoever it is, no, it do, doesn't matter. It was a good offer. So, it was a good offer. So, well, I guess in the day it was a good offer in the sense that the, yeah. land, the landlord, I mean, the, the seller did sell, hey, right? It's a win-win. If they had no yeah. offers, it was on the market, they got a sale, yeah. everyone's happy. Um, and then uh, what did I do after that? So, um, well, like anything else, uh, a conditional period had inspected, brought in some contractors, get some rough rough, rough ideas mm-hmm. of what things were going to cost, uh, then firmed up on it. Um, and I actually took up a bit of a more of a project management role on this one. Yes. Just because it ended up being a... I, I, I decided I wanted to live on the top floor. Mm-hmm. So I took a little more, I guess, active role to the design and, and sourcing. And yeah. All, all if, that you're, stuff. if you're living there, you're going to be a little bit more... You know, a little bit more tasteful with your your design on your individual unit than your kind of cookie cutter, yeah, cookie cutter tenant rentals kind of thing. Right? And that that goes to show too. A lot of people, the the price you see isn't the price you need to offer, and you can just throw in offers. It doesn't really matter. I mean, at the end of the day, if they don't accept it, they don't accept it. It's not a big yeah. deal. Yep. If they do accept it, great. Which Even is better. somewhat what happened in your scenario, and it happens all the time. You just have to have that push that drive mm-hmm. and just do it um there are many investors that will just throw down tens of offers hundreds yeah. of offers a lot a week. of people a lot of people i know make 100 offers to get one yeah, yeah right? i think the book's written about that you could tend to yeah. one, the 10 to 1 ratio yeah like you shouldn't get you get an offer accepted to put it down 10 mm-hmm. yeah I, I don't think that quite applies in the toronto market where, yeah where things are like multiple offers because there's not supply here right you're not no. gonna get 10 offers and, and win one like yeah you, it's, it's competitive you're here. either going to be lowballing and be laughed at 10 out of 10 times 20 out of 10 times or you're going to be a little bit more competitive in yeah. a lot of cases yeah. especially yeah especially here a in Toronto. more selective yeah and in toronto where things are multiple offers is not yeah. of supply and often things go, go above asking and i don't want to go into the speculation part of it because yes. but however because there is a lack of supply generally speaking if you don't pay i pay the market in a year or two years you you're going to be making money yeah Gen- 
but that's generally what, assuming yeah. the market continues the way it has been. Yes. Yes. Right? Yeah. So I don't want to speculate, but because there's just not a supply, it looks like that's the trend. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And that's what you're seeing too. Uh, lately you've been seeing the increase of a lot of high rises, uh, popping up all over the city. Oh, I yeah. get email. I get probably a different email every couple of days from a different new, high rise, new condo yeah. going up. Like yeah. come see our units or whatever. And I think that's one of the leading factors that you can see that there is a supply uh, shortage and the demand is way too high. So they're building all these units to meet that supply. Yep. The demand. Um, I, I just don't, I still don't think they're, they're building fast enough. I think. No, no, no I, I don't. I, I think I, it's something like a thousand new units a year and 8,000 new people coming into the city a year. Right. Which is. I think it's even higher. Yeah. I, don't I think know both numbers I, know, I know a large part of it is. I think back, I don't know, back at least maybe five or six years ago, I remember you guys heard on the news a lot. They're saying Toronto's overbuilding, Toronto's overbuilding, Toronto's overbuilding. And then I guess they introduced a lot of legislation that yeah. sort of... They slowed it down slowed, for a week, slowed, a, a little slowed bit. Slowed down the, the process of yeah. getting the, the, these things built. And now we're in a situation now they can't build fast. Enough. Yeah. And I guess that's yeah. what it There's is. There's a lot of new projects. It seems like this past year and a bit, a lot of new projects. I don't know if they've loosened up the legislation or if a lot of people have finally just broken through. But there's a ton of new construction happening all around the city now, right? That's good. It, it is good. It's very good. good. It is. It's a pain sometimes to live with, but in the grand scheme of things, it is yeah. It is good for the I know in your city. area right now, there are condos going up everywhere, right, Oh, Phil? we've got four or five, six on one corner, right? Yeah. It's, it's insane trying to get in and out of, this is in Liberty Village, uh, trying to get in and out of that strong East Liberty corner some days is absolutely bonkers. They've even started, because everyone's in that like concrete pouring phase. So there's times in the morning, wonderful time at 9 o'clock or 8.30 when people are trying to walk to work. They'll just completely shut off the street so people can't even walk down East Liberty. Nice. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, again, it's just one of those things that we and have to live And you still make it to there. work on time every single I, I day. I know. Cause How I'm do you do it? such a great quasi-employee. <laughs> <laughs> okay, back to the uh, your burr. So Billy's burr. Maybe that's uh, the title. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Boom. <laughs> Billy's burr. Uh, so um, I had a budget for... Um, for the project, mm -hmm. um, I, I went over budget. Surprise. Does well, any I, project stay on budget? Yeah, I think everyone sort of goes over budget right. at least a little bit. Especially when it's yours, right? Yeah. You a little yeah. bit more customized. Well, I know for your floor, you did use the uh, a little bit fancier finishings. Yeah, I, I did use a little. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, if I were to purposely build this for rental, yeah. I wouldn't have chosen those. Yeah, of course. Right, so. Yeah. Um, but the good thing was uh, the market's been pretty good. The rental market's been very strong. So, mm -hmm. the, so my original projected rents were higher than, than what I was um, projecting. So what you got, yeah, what you got well, yeah, was what, higher what, than... What I modeled. Yeah. So it's also good to be, I mean, I know how you work, right? It's good to be conservative on the front end yeah. so that it's all win on the back end if you do get more, right? But you know you're safe if you don't. Yeah. So that yeah, so usually when we model, not just for ourselves but with our clients, mm -hmm. we give them a range, and we we'll always say we'll at least probably get to this range yeah. on the low range, just to make sure. And even at the low range, the numbers will still work. Mm -hmm. so yeah. that's that's part of the defensive investing yeah. mentality. So. Exactly. And then again, um, and then the, the project um, went over budget, also went low longer than expected as well. However, when the appraisal came, it also uh, it came in low, came in better than I predicted as well. So oh yeah. In that sense, I was quite happy. Yeah. And, and basically, I'm in a situation where now, where I, I can live there relatively inexpensively. Yeah. <laughs> and, and refinance it. And yep. then um, maybe 
hopefully start a new project kind of boom sometime so so the home yeah. home run burr if you if you will so what what percentage would you say just roughly did you go over budget percentage wise or <laughs> Uh, 30, 35%. Okay, so a decent, a decent amount over budget. But I think that is largely due to you living in it as well. And Um, and you putting that that action. Especially if your initial projection was not to live in, right? If the initial projection was all rental. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's easily made up. Like that, that's the reason. It wasn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so large, large, large part of it was like, yeah, what is basically what it is. Like all of a sudden, like this, like what I would use for rental grade stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. You did a little bit nicer. Did a little yeah. extra. And all oh, of a sudden, yeah, of course. And, and even other stuff like, uh, so if, if I kept it, if I kept it, kept it as a rental, I wouldn't have, like, I've also put in more washrooms and ensuite bath and, and ensuite laundry and stuff like that. Right. If I didn't live in there, like, there'd be less of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. So it'd be more basic. done a common laundry, yeah. one bathroom yeah. per that, unit that, kind that, of that thing. Kind of, that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But because I, I ended up living in there. So yeah, that's not, know. that's not too bad too. And you did reap the reward of a nice refinance and then So then that was the other thing. Then, then, then I know you guys were talking about this before. I made sure that whatever I put into this, like, I, I was still wasn't the most expensive house on the street. Yes. So that I had, I had to spread the work with, right? Yeah. So like, I wasn't going overboard and then I, I can't get back on the Finance. Right, yeah, because there's yeah. you can't go in and put gold faucets everywhere because yeah. you're not getting that money no. back. So right? even even when I modeled it fairly conservatively, mm-hmm. like with the with the extra that I put in, I was like, I also probably at least get most of it back. Right, so that's I good. Extra pull the the recapture that capital. So yep. that's the reason why I did it. That's, that's good. good. Yeah. So actually, touched on that a little bit more. So I, I know we know this because we're in the industry, but there's that saying you don't want to be the nicest house on the street. What does that mean? Exactly. So generally you. speaking, a lot of people uh, have, there's a general consensus and a lot of people would say, you actually won't be the cheapest house on the street mm-hmm. and buy the lowest end on the street. Yep. Um, this way you're not leading the street and you, you know, if, if you're looking to upgrade, well, there's room to upgrade first of all. Yes. Because there's somebody else on the street who's already did that and they're, they're over there. Um, so you have, I guess, um, one, you're probably not overpaying since you're the cheapest on the street. And two, if you want to upgrade it, there you can upgrade it without, uh, with, with, without the fear of you, the market coming down, and you being the most expensive guy on the street, and, and you taking a hit first. Right. So it's like okay. there's an uh, there's already an, a model in play that you can kind of model your whole project on. So yes. let's say you buy the worst house. There's the best house is your neighbor, and it's a three story, and yours is a bungalow. Well, you'll know. Okay, this is what they did. You have someone to talk to if they're willing to talk. If they were the builders, you have sort of an idea and you have a price range of, yeah. okay, I bought this for 500000 This one's worth $1.2 If I put in this much work, this is what it's going to be worth. And you, you kind of have that whole idea. Yeah, going and that's forward. usually how, like, I think you guys touched on this before as well, how the investors and the builders, that's where they look for the spread, right? They yep. look for the cheapest stuff in the area and the sort of like the stuff that they can sort of build. They build, they can build, and they, they, they take the two and they, they figure out what they're going to cost. And if the numbers yeah. make sense, they just... Yeah, exactly. If like, you so. start with the nicest and then you throw a million dollars at it after that... Then you basically you're, speculate. It's all yeah. speculation yeah. and you're just hoping someone's going to come in and think it's worth the value. Yeah. And there's tons of homes in the GTA in, in Toronto that you do see that with. Oh, yeah. We spoke about it on the last podcast where they just sit for months yeah. on the market because they're overpriced. They put in so much money into it. They thought this is going to bring... I think you used the Taj Mahal... Mm-hmm. Uh, they thought it's going to be so nice. People are going to be willing to spend whatever, but you know, you're not in a nice area. It's not going to, it's not going to yeah. work. Yeah, exactly. It also is, is good for defensive uh, investors. Like you said, when usually the first thing to get hit 
is the most expensive house on the street. Yep. And when the market kind of corrects a little bit, that $1.5 million home in the $1 million area is going to drop down to 1.2 or 1.3. Yeah. yeah. Where the cheapest home is still going to relatively keep its same price range, maybe lose a little bit more, but percentage-wise, probably not as high as the, That's right. the high one. It's the same concept in things like vacation rentals, right? When you have, when the, the economy starts to hurt a little bit and you have these, the first things that people cut out are, is that little frivolous spending or the little excess that they maybe don't necessarily need. You need a house, you know, you need, you need somewhere to, to live. You need a roof over your head. Does it need to be the absolute nicest thing by a mile on the street? No, it doesn't, right? So as you, if economy starts to take a turn, less and less and less people are going to be interested in that particular asset, which then, like you said, turns a, a 1.5 into pay maybe a 1.2 or something like that in a scenario like that. So back to the burr. Billy's yeah. bear. So it, it let one one last statistic, if you will. Okay. How much of your original capital on a not in a dollar figure? Let's talk as a percentage. Capital put into that project is coming back to you, and I know it was. Uh, and let's just yeah. leave it at that. Guesstimation. Uh. <laughs> it's not a hundred. It's not 100. Okay, so it's pretty close. <laughs> I think it's above 80, though. Wow. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's in Toronto. Run, that's in Toronto that numbers, too. That is in too. Toronto. <laughs> so I, I think anybody listening could kind of assume what the numbers are looking at. But And he still lives in it for damn near free. <laughs> that's a pretty deal. It's a good deal. It's a good deal, sir. so we we talked about kind of when you started why you started maybe or we talked about how you started too but i mean what were you doing to get started let's say you you must have been an i banker making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year that's the only way someone can start buying real estate in toronto right no, <laughs> obviously no, right? And a lot of it has to do with when you got in. Yes, well, yes, that makes a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so going back to it, like I had a bit of a head start, luckily for me. Right, I did. Um, if if I didn't have that, I'm, uh, I probably wouldn't be where I am right now. Right. Uh, but at the same time, where where I am right now, but I th- I think I would end up in the same trajectory. I might just be lagging behind where I, where I am. But, but I think eventually it would still would have made sense to make... You go, caught the same idea. Go in this direction. Yeah. yeah. Let's just it would have taken a few more years. Yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, so do you have to be an eye banker? No. Um, <laughs> what you do need now, unfortunately, it's become a little more difficult. Of course. Is financing. Yeah. Um, and you need some sort of down payments. It, it was easier... When the change really changed? Uh, the a couple years ratios? ago. Mm-hmm. When was that? The ratios? Because before, because before they they allowed a, a equity down payments. If thirty five percent in, you get to go no matter what, no questions asked. Mm-hmm. And then they, they took that off the market. I forgot, I forgot what that was. But now that they have it all on um, on ratios, it's become a lot harder. Um, do you have to be an eye banker? No, you just need to get the financing. I think, um, and then it starts from there. You can either buy low, into the lower end of the market. We're talking about obviously buying condos. Uh, which is basically the entry level of, of, of what real estate you can buy, yep. or you can buy tier two. Not, no, we're not talking Toronto now. We're not talking yeah. in, the, in the old streets of Toronto. But right, you know, but just getting into the market and like what you did, right? Just to get that snowball started, yeah. get so, it going, and let so, it. So start here's the thing with, with real estate. So it's been rosy, 
for the past 20 years. Mm-hmm. But the idea of real estate has never been, I'm going to get rich quick. Yes, of course. It's, it's always long-term been, game. It's, it's, it's a lot, exactly, it's a long-term game, right? Like with any investment. Uh, I think the best investments, and Warren Buffett would agree, Warren mm-hmm. Buffett always says the best investments are the ones they can hold for a lifetime. Yep. And there's not many companies that I would comfortably uh, hold for a lifetime. Real estate is one of those investments. I, I when I ask clients ask me what's my holding period, I basically tell them I'm forever. I'm bar- I'm married to my real estate. Yeah. I'm not selling this shit. So yeah, like, it basically generates money until I die. Right. So, yeah. Of course. More or less. So I'm married to this shit. So. And and hopefully by the time you die, it's gonna be all paid off. And well, or, mathematic- or you keep well, yeah. mathematically, it'll be paid off before I die, unless, yeah. I'm, <laughs> unless I'm unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> so. And unless you keep refinancing. Billy, Billy gets hit yeah. by a bus when we leave this podcast studio. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> no. So, yeah. I mean, there's that point of refinancing that's as okay. well, that's right? True. Which uh, yeah. I, I'm sure as you age and maybe you hit a size of a portfolio where you don't think it's maybe a value add to continue to grow. And you can start to pay those things down so they pay you more instead of having to collect more and more assets, right? Everyone's going to hit a certain point, I'm sure, where paying them down makes more sense. But as you're in a growth stage, there's no, I mean, for us at least, understanding the market, being defensive, making sure things still cash flow after you refinance. There's no sense to not pull as much money out as you can of each of your investments to then do more. I think the only reason why people will stop doing it, Mm -hmm. it becomes then becomes... Uh, too too much work when, it is. when 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 the initial thought was I want to do enough so I don't have to work as much yeah and then you're yeah. then you keep going and going and you're at a hundred doors all of a sudden and you say uh, hold on uh, maybe we'll the same thing right I'm, yeah. like, I'm back to where now I'm back to a job uh, back to a job again yeah exactly. yeah full, we have one job. client not going to get into details obviously but uh, who's bought many properties has a very successful business and has gone to the point where it wants to pass down the business to uh, family members. Mm-hmm. And now they're realizing they're in a full-time business again. Yeah. They have to manage all their doors. Yep. Uh, which is, again, fine for this individual. They love it. It's, it's not that big of an issue. And you're making a lot of money at the end of the day. Right. But at that point, once you hit the retirement goal, again, this individual is extremely successful. So has a bunch of money sitting. It's not like, you know, they need it. Mm-hmm. At that point, you can sit back and do whatever. At that point, you can sell off five, 10, 15, 20 properties and still be, you know, making that much money. Yep. Yeah. So it, again, it, you, you had that preference level and all depends what you want to do. Yeah, mm-hmm. different people at different preference levels. Yeah, of course. Every investor is yeah. going to have a different... Uh, I, I think um, in Toronto, um, because the rent market's so good, um, if you want to keep leveraging, you, really, will, you can really find numbers that continue to work. With. Yeah. You can comfortably leverage, even though you're heavily leveraged. Yeah. yeah so. Year over year, as you know, as property prices rise and as you look at continually pulling out more and more money, yeah. at least, you know, this is maybe no indication of the future, but at least in the past, it's the rent has risen so that you're yeah. able to continue to do yeah. so and more or less break even. So, so, so that make, that's very important. I think I remember when, if you look back at 2017, mm-hmm. when it was really high, yep. the numbers did make sense. A lot of numbers did really make yeah. sense. And that was when we were like, it was actually very hard for us it to buy It was tough. Buy it was tough year. for us to find properties it, for clients. It, it, yeah. it was very tough for us to buy that year just because nothing really worked. Yeah. There's and multiples then, on everything, yeah. everywhere. And going going so high, is like, we can't hundreds even, of thousands we can't over. We can't buy this because what we do with it? Yeah, like we buy to yeah. Save more money you buy it to break even, or yeah. or buy to save more money into makes no yeah. sense, right? But luckily, the market corrected. Thankfully, things uh, came down. Came yeah, corrected to, and uh, to a level that's very acceptable right now. And then the market might come down a little bit, but at this point, as an investor, if the Toronto market came down, I'd be. 
I'd be happy. I'd be buying more. I'd be buying, right? <laughs> be buying. So uh, I think it's okay. Especially in, in a good indicator of where the market's actually really at, look at condos. Yep. So the condo market is a little bit high mm-hmm. in the sense that the best investment condos right now, they, or the better ones, they're about break even. Maybe. That's, that's good. A, like maybe, that's, yeah, that's an amazing maybe, condo maybe, deal. May, 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 maybe, a, maybe a bit tad cash flow. Right. So if it came down a bit, then a lot of the stuff becomes uh, just, just above mm-hmm. uh, the cash flow positive line. So that's yeah. why that, that's why I think the Toronto market, it's the condo markets. It's kind of pricey, but it's not c- crazy pricey considering where the rent prices are. Yes. So yeah. Yeah, and where they continue to go, especially when you look at things like the core, right? Yeah, and if you uh, go back to the thing, what what's basically comes down to, which is supply. Yep. Which is not enough, then it's just keeps driving the prices up yeah. on rent. So I think, um, and if you look at Toronto as as a metropolis, which uh, we more or less are, we are. Um, and just look at how many people come here, why they come here, and how strong our economy is, and how diversified our economy is. Toronto's a very good place. You just look at all the all the Canadian banks are here. Yep. Uh, I would say all the other major countries' representatives are also here. Um, uh, all the big tech is here. Yep. That, well, what, or that, a that, very short distance away from yeah. here, if not. Uh, we're basically Waterloo. Here to Waterloo. Waterloo. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and the big techs, they have their hubs are here. Yep. Right. Um, Google's planning on building an entire section of the city here. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you look at uh, how many universities we have, mm-hmm. how many people come it's to crazy. That, and how much, yeah, how, how much international co- yeah, how we have for the schools yeah, coming, yeah. you know. And then oh, obviously all the immigrants. And even look something like, uh, as a good staple of, of the, the city's economical strength, sports teams. Yeah, I was yeah. about to say that. Yeah. We, we, we ha- we're, the only North, we're the only Canadian team that has everything. And yep. the only reason why we don't have... American football is because for some reason we thought Toronto Argonauts was a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, well, yeah, that's yeah. that's the only reason. I think if there was an NFL team outside of the U.S., it would, it would probably be, be in Toronto. Toronto. Yeah. Exactly. That would make the most sense. So, and it's, so it's not, not like Toronto is like so heavily dependent on something that where something that didn't, didn't work, then then all of a sudden our exactly. economy yeah. goes down. Mm-hmm. Right? We're so diversified and we're so strong because we're, we have a lot of people coming here and and we're at the point now. Now we're not just letting anyone in. Yes. Like you gotta have money come to Toronto now. Yeah. So, right. And they, and they, they do the ones they, that they do. do. Yeah. They, they do, and they come here and they buy right away. Yep. Yeah. That's basically what it is, right? So, I think Toronto is a pretty good place to be in. Absolutely. If you're already we in, we would. It. We obviously agree. Yeah. So <laughs> then this was a, what when the clients always people always ask like they goes they ask me how is the market I don't like that question in general first of all but. First, my response is such a common question too. <laughs> yeah, just generically. How's, How's the, the market, market doing today? Oh God, here we go. <laughs> but I, I should start with if you're a, if you're a homeowner, yeah, you're liking it. Yeah, you're of not course. A homeowner, you're looking to buy, and you're hurting. Then it's not as good yeah. as it was before. Yeah. basically, right. So it depends what side of the, of the fence you're on right now. So, yes. Yeah. So you you touched on uh, Warren Buffett for a little bit. What? Who do you look to for? Um, gu- not guidance, but kind of. Uh, like a like a boost. Um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Who do you look for for inspiration? That's the word. Okay. There we go. Uh, for <laughs> investing, not just in real estate, but in anything. Like, are there books that you read, or is there any book that you want to uh, promote, recommend, um, recommend, promote? Well, I think the most at least put one, one, one the, my, my favorite book that I always recommend to people when they talk about when we talk about investing is the Intelligent, Intelligent Investor. Oh, yes, the Billy Bible, as we call it. <laughs> By Benjamin Graham. Um, so he, and he, he himself makes a good point in it. When you read this book, you either get it or you don't. Right. So to some people, this style of defensive investing, mm-hmm. it'll never make sense to them. Right. There's some people who, who like this because they understand the numbers and mm-hmm. it makes sense to them. 
And there's some people who's like, I'd rather buy Bitcoin no matter yeah, what Yeah, the Bitcoin boys. I just, yeah. I'd rather buy weed stock no matter what, what it costs. Right. Because yeah. it's going up. Because going up I could, yeah. could, being yeah. the operant word, <laughs> quadruple my money in a week. So, but yeah. I probably won't. Yeah. So it depends where you are. Yeah. And, and the, again, we go back to the, the style of investing. You don't expect to get rich uh, overnight. Yes. No. But you will over time. You will over if, time. If I you are that. diligent. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's like if you can play the lottery, knowing you're not going to win at the moment, but in 30 years time, you're going to win a pretty good amount. That's like what investing in real estate is. Yeah. Where doing the Bitcoin thing is like p- literally just playing the lottery. It might right. work or you might just lose all your money, which is more likely going to yeah. happen. So that's, that's a, a, I guess, a book we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would go with that. Mm, inspirations. I don't know. I guess like a Warren Buffett. Pretty much every investor. How much Coca-Cola do you own, Billy? <laughs> <laughs> Coca-Cola. Uh, investing. I don't know. Uh, I guess those are no real inspirations when it comes to stuff like that. It's his own inspiration. I guess that's what that's what it comes down to. To with with people with the investor mindset, I think you have to kind of light that fire under your ass yourself. Kind of get yourself to that position where you can invest. That's the hardest part for many people. Starting is just just getting to the point get where in. you can be an investor. Yeah. So it's reading all the books you can, learning everything you can, listening to the podcast, and at the same time, making the amount of money that you need. That's the yes. most important part. I mean, there's a lot of people who can invest for free, but those are good negotiators and good good pitchers yeah like if you're that. starting to play with those other people's money deals you really better know what you're doing yeah you better you better be amazing at what you do yeah. and have it all planned out and, and playing with other people's money yeah you gotta have be amazing and have credibility as well yes most people if, if, if you're pulling them on a deal yeah and you, and you say you're gonna be on it they at least once you have some skin in the game yes right? so unless you're like you're proven track record is pretty much flawless mm-hmm. no one's almost no one's gonna say okay I'll give you all my money to yeah you. exactly so, yeah. You gotta, you gotta put your money. You gotta put. So I think I think the last thing we'll touch on here because we are running now pretty pretty long. Uh, your fitness routine. I kind of want to <laughs> talk about it a bit. So you you are a gym addict. I am. I would say. How how many times do you go a week? Seven. Seven unless seven days. Unless work gets busy. Yeah. Unless work gets busy, then it's six and a half. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and what what got you into that? So so how long have you been doing that for? 11 years now 11 years 11 right. years yeah so what, what got you started what, so uh, I used to be a little overweight mm-hmm. kind of overweight um, and I went I used to, my, my dad used to take me up running because he thought I was fat <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I love it. Bill you gotta come up running with me uh, fine now one day I tripped over a twig like I literally tripped over a twig I twisted my ankle I sprained my ankle I went to the doctor the doctor said you can't run no more for, for this short period of time because I have a big sore. right so and then I went to the, and then, then I got the idea to go to gym because I have elliptical there, mm-hmm. just low low impact. Yeah, and okay. then from there, and just then what you you saw all the jacked dudes in the gym and said, "I want to be like these guys." <laughs> no, actually, I just oh, wanted okay. to lose some weight when I first started. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, but then by the time you were done, it was just an addiction, and you kept going and going, I'm uh, making a Billy story here for him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess so. It's like now. So a lot of people always ask me this, like because I go so often. It's it's I really enjoy it. So it's very mm-hmm. easy for me to go often. So just same way you might like 
whatever hobbies you like, <laughs> whatever they are, and whatever mm-hmm. hobbies you like to do that are effortless. Yes. And, and you look forward to it. Mm-hmm. it for me, this, 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 this is sort of like the gym and the fitness lifestyle. So it's gotcha. very easy for me. So it's like, it's whatever. It's a good habit to build. That is a good that's, a good, that's a good, I need, I need uh, anyone that out there watching, I suggest, I hi- or I highly recommend that uh, exercise be part of your daily life or, because I think it just improves everyone's quality of life. You can't, mm-hmm. you can't, you can only benefit from, from regular exercise and yes. you know, watching or having some sort of mindfulness of what you eat, kind of thing. So, I agree. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so what's I mean, what one last thing I suppose aside from Billy's fitness regimen, what's next? Where's I mean, Billy? Billy's obviously come to this point. He's not doing so bad. What's What's the next frontier for for Billy Sue? I don't know. I've been I've been sort of hovering around that question for a little while now. Actually, mm. I know a, a large part of it is I've been working quite a lot in this past four or five years since joining the company. Right. Um, I I do want to take a little more time off of sort of like I don't know. I I just don't think I I'm, I'm just looking for that more of a balance where I can do things that don't. I, I, have, I do them because I need to pay the bills. Yes. Or I, I, don't, I don't want to keep doing these things on a regular basis because I have to just basically do it for the sake of money. Right. So you can, at this point, maybe yeah. focus a little bit more on what you actually want, what's fulfilling. Or, I don't know, because there's so much things to do in life. I don't know. I know. So yeah. I, it, might be, it, it might be anything. So, but, but I do know uh, more of this is involved in it mm-hmm. because it's, uh, I find that the work is valuable not only to ourselves but to our clients and to everyone involved. Yes. Uh, I even talk about how the, the products that we create being uh, affordable rentals here in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Like, now we're not building like executive suites for only executives. Like, we're building stuff that I know young professionals and sometimes yeah. students. Yeah, right? we're building, making yeah. rental units for the every guy. Yeah, and, and this stuff is valuable to them, right? So yeah. we're actually helping the economy in a very, very, very good way. Um, and then again, it's not, and when it, when you realize it's not only about you, and yeah. there's other people who put their trust in you, and they continue to put their trust in you, then you also got to keep helping them, right? If they, mm-hmm. they want to keep growing as well. So that there's a, there's a sort of a life door sort of professional and moral responsibility there yeah. to help them, uh, help them achieve their dreams. And that's part of what, what we do here. Yeah. It's, it's quite yeah. a bit of good fulfillment in that, in, yeah. in helping a, you know, a newbie investor, if you will, get, get started and really on that yeah. path to financial freedom. Yeah, that, that, sure I like how you I like how you touch on that point though too because it is a pretty fulfilling job and it's it's fulfilling for everybody involved the the investor themselves yeah. like taking us out of that those shoes mm-hmm. and us as the agents too helping them get to their goals and seeing them all of a sudden be able to afford their children's university fund and it's that much easier for them where they don't have to work that extra job they have their investments now that are making money for them and and all the different opportunities that real estate investment does bring up. It's very fulfilling. It's true. Yep. Yeah. And that's large, or a large reason why we, we anyone who's comes through those doors or comes looking for us is looking for that sort of path to financial freedom. Yeah. And this is a very, very viable way of getting there. And we're not, and again, we're not selling you Bitcoin thing. We're selling <laughs> Bitcoin $20,000. We're no Mason Beck. <laughs> you next year's stealing Phil's face and selling <laughs> shitty Bitcoin. Right? Like, the, the stuff that we buy is like, actually valuable to people, yeah. right? It's proven. It's, about, it's like people want to rent this stuff because it's affordable rent. Yeah. And we want to rent it to you because it's profitable rent. Yeah, right? exactly. So, it's a win-win. Yeah, win-win yeah, yeah. on all sides. So. All right. 
So thank you guys for listening. I think uh, we're going to wrap that up here. Uh, hopefully we'll have Billy on again soon in the, oh, in, I'm in sure the short time. Will. I think they were expecting like more Misha talking. <laughs> 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 All right, we'll have a, ne- a next episode. Well, I don't check half of this. Billy, Billy shared way too much real knowledge this time. Yeah. <laughs> next time it's just going to be straight shit. Talking. Yeah, now you get to know Billy. Next time we'll, we'll have him on and just uh, fuck around a little bit. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, thank you, Billy. Do you have any last words you want to say? I think we need a sponsorship from you. <laughs> <laughs> Michalov, uh, you heard that. Billy, Billy Sue told you. That's it. <laughs> Billy Sue told you. That's, a, that's your new saying. Is that the podcast title? No. no. It's a good, it's, <laughs> Billy, no. Billy's Burr? All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Take care. You can find us on YouTube, iTunes Podcasts, Google Play, Podbean, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And now... Spotify. Spotify. <laughs> Why would you do that like that? I don't I know. I was not expecting that at all. <laughs> Make sure to comment, like, subscribe, and share with your friends. Yeah.